Welcome to the Rebel and Connect radio podcast, where we connect our listeners with the people, products, and services they need to host a successful company retreat. At Rebel and Connect, we work with remote leaders, empowering them to use retreats as a strategic tool to enhance worker experience and company culture. Learn more at rebellingconnect.co. For ad-free podcasts, become a Rebel and Connect VIP member at VIP. .rebellandconnect.co. Hey Rebels, welcome to Rebel and Connect Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Birch, and today we'll be speaking with Alicia Patterson. Alicia has a master's in somatic counseling psychology, is a licensed professional counselor, registered dance movement therapist, and certified yoga teacher. Alicia works with individuals and groups, helping them to heal wounds that live around intimacy, relationship, and sexuality. Alicia is also the creator of a body of work called Eros and the Body. Today, Alicia will be talking with us about intimacy, embodiment, and relationships as they relate to remote work and remote teams. All right, Alicia, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So uh, for those of you that don't know Alicia, you're in for a treat. Alicia and I met during our time at Naropa University in Boulder, and uh, we're both big advocates of embodied work and dance and movement and just living a good, vibrant life. Would you agree with that? Definitely. (laughs) All right. So in addition to those pieces of your story, would you be willing to tell our guests just a little bit about who you are and how you got to be doing what you're doing now? Sure. Um, So I think it would be good for me to kind of outline the different ways that I'm working first, and then I can say a little bit about how I got to be there. Excuse me. So... Uh, My main practice is providing body-based psychotherapy for individuals and couples. And I'm also doing embodiment work with people. And that looks like anywhere from one-on-one sessions where we're doing movement practices together to um, I teach yoga and dance. And I also facilitate embodiment and touch workshops for people to engage in facilitated and safe containers around touch. So, yeah, so the, so I have prongs of individual work and then group work, embodiment, focused work is um, really the main thread that goes through all of those places. And I've also provided some workplace retreats for um, local companies in Colorado more about um, mindfulness and body awareness and how to use those skills to promote a healthy and sustainable work life. So, so my story about how I got here. Um, well, I was, well, this is years ago at this point, but my first little inkling into body-based work was when I was struggling and going through life transitions and um, emotionally and mentally kind of like stressed and, looked like I was doing well, but internally really was not doing very well. And the only thing that started to work for me, I tried talk therapy. Uh, I tried reading. I, you know, I tried all these things. And the thing that finally started to make me healthier was when I started doing yoga and getting acupuncture. 
And this body-based therapeutic approach was what started opening my emotional world. And, you know, all these things started coming up and out. So personally, that was uh, what I was going through. And then in my professional life, I was thinking about where I wanted to go back to school and what I wanted to do. I was working for an orthopedic surgeon's practice, hmm. thinking about like, should I be a teacher? Should I be a nurse? Should I like maybe consider medical school? Like, what am I going to do with myself and my life? And through working in the orthopedic practice and seeing uh, really talented surgeons dealing with a lot of mental and emotional stuff with their patients. And so I just started to have this feeling of like, okay, you know, I've been going through the struggle and the body-based way is the only thing that's working for me. And now I'm seeing all of these patients come into this office who really don't need to be here. And you know, I was just like, kind of burning on the inside of like, this is mental, this is emotional, like, you know, they need something different. And so from that point, a mentor of mine, um, one of my only mentors that has been in my life since I've been born, has a really strong, long lineage with meditation. And she told me, one of your friends just moved to Colorado, you have got to look at Naropa, just take a look at it. And I had no idea what it was at that point. And so I looked at the website and I read through all of the everything. I read through every program and all of these different approaches. And my body and my heart and my mind was just like, no, 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 no. And then I hit on the somatic body-based counseling program. And I was like, what is that? Like, oh my gosh, what is that? Once I applied and I still had all these doubts, but I moved or I um, came and visited and interviewed for the program. And once I met the faculty of the somatic program, I was just in, I'm, you know, a hundred percent. Like if I get in, I'm going. And it was, uh, it was a really fast turnaround. I applied and got in and moved all within, I think like eight months mm-hmm. uh, time span. So, so that was my world into Naropa and, you know, it was really for me, it was like personal development, growth work, and then eventually started to really think about how that applied to what I wanted to offer a little bit later in the school process, Mm -hmm. which um, I'm really happy about. I feel like personally, you know, they call it um, transform yourself as their slogan for Naropa. And I really do feel like it was a full body, mind and soul transformation for me. And now I'm, I'm really loving working with people and offering a lot of different roads into using the body for health. Very cool. There, there's a lot of pieces in there that I didn't know about your story and some of which uh, really mirror my own path to Naropa, you know, like being in a, in a place of struggle with, um, more with like physical health and my chronic pain with my body and, you know, coming to understand like there is an emotional piece to this and it might not just be like, I hate living like this. It might actually be the cause, you know, the cause of the pain is emotional. 
um, and like how liberating that was. And I still, even in the program had some like burning, like you were talking about the burning, like this is emotional. You know, we'd have our, in our cohort people talking about sensation, like this sensation feels like sadness to me, but if it was able to be explained through a more, you know, Western traditional, like I sprained my ankle repetitive stress thing. It was still showing up in an explanation in that way. And I just like want to shake people and be like, no, what are you learning here? Like, what is it behind that makes it recurrent? Like the body heals, right? I think that's one of the things I really took away from my journey is like our potential for healing is so much more than we give it credit for. And if you aren't open to it, it, it won't manifest that way. But if you did, if you are, so very cool. So now you're, you're talking about, um, your offerings that you've come up with, which I love all the work that I see you doing. I get little pieces from Facebook and all the different groups that we share. Um, but tell us a little bit about what motivates you to, to work with the populations that you work with in the way that you work with them. Okay. So, individually working with people one-on-one is probably what takes up, uh, like, consistently the most amount of my work time. And, you know, I always think of this as, like, it, it really just happened naturally and almost kind of, like, backwards in a way for me because what I was working on in my own life throughout school and since I finished school has largely been about relationships and my body and my sexuality and how I express myself as a woman in the world. And then once I started working with people and taking clients and uh, my group work kind of came out of all of this even if I wasn't marketing myself that way, relationships and intimacy and sexuality was what was coming up in those, what I was working on with people pretty much like across the board. It was almost like it was always something about the experience of the body and relationship to gender and sexual orientation and relationship expression and the struggles that come up with that, whether it's about a history of abuse or whether it's about a current relationship struggle that, you know, a married couple is going through. And so I remember a couple years ago, this is actually like two years ago to date in the fall, I was talking with my therapist and I, at that point I had been struggling a little bit working with a couple of men who we're just like pretty tough guys. And I think I was saying something like, I'm just going to work with women and it'll be great. And like, I, I do really well working with women and that's what I should do. And my therapist, who's an older man said, if you turn yourself off or away from working with men after everything that we have been working on, which is largely about relationships and your body and your sexuality and your womanhood, you are doing a disservice to them and to yourself. And I was like, shit. So I left that <laughs> and I called up 
a colleague of mine who's a very skilled movement facilitator. And I just said to him, I don't know what this is going to look like. And I don't, I don't even know what to say, but are you interested in working with me and facilitating something with groups that involves movement around intimacy and sexuality? And he said, yes. And so we started working on that and that has just shifted and taken, um, some different forms and, you know, waves of ups and downs. And it started off very small and intimate, kind of like invite only of only people that we knew. And then I've started to really spread it out into being available to the public and uh, working with a lot of different people that have different experiences around touch and relationship. And in this country, um, for me, it's everything like, uh, you know, what's happening with the police and around rape culture. And I'm like, this touch stuff is just huge. Mm-hmm. And if I can work with people, this can influence their families. This can influence their relationships. It can influence their relationship with their own body and the relationship that they have with self-touch. And so a part of that is so important to me because of my experience as a woman in this culture around touch and sexuality and you know after having experiences that have been wounding and after having experiences that have been wonderful and then some that are like just confusing and dysfunctional (laughs) and then my own family history around sexuality and abuse and I was just like there's really something here for me and and it's coming up all the time you know I'm just constantly surrounded by it, whether it's me and myself and what I'm working on or whether it's working with a client or facilitating a group or in a personal relationship and what happens there. It's, um, it's just so human to want to connect in that way. Mm -hmm. So I'm really enjoying working with all of those aspects in so many different ways. Um, and it is kind of engulfing. It's, kind of like fully encompassing of my time these days yeah so kind of like in terms of motivation um healing around intimacy because we need intimacy in our world we need it to be a safe place in order to have in order to have a peaceful world and I think especially like that's you know that's one of the things where um I really struggled as a remote worker was, you know, there's a part of me that loves the idea of waking up in the morning, putting on my sweatpants and locking myself in a room and communicating with people through a computer because it feels safer on a certain level. Um, You know, I can be more uh, strategic about how I communicate and therefore that's somehow safer. But at the same time, it's, it's more dangerous if you think about, you know, the the danger of isolation and what that that what impact that has on, you know, your connection to the world around you. And that's one of the things we really try to focus on at Rebel and Connect is, you know, the celebrating of human connections and finding ways to create that intimacy in the new landscape of this remote workspace. And you know, I think these podcasts are actually a, a great great way to do that you know those of you that are listening don't know uh, Alicia and I are actually on video in this 
in this call, sitting, looking at each other, sitting in like what looks like both of our bedrooms, if that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) fair to say, (laughs) you know? So, and then I think there's something interesting too, you know, about um, the connection between uh, sexuality and sensuality and how, you know, that, that subtlety gets lost in digital communication that, that is, you know, one of my favorite coaches that I worked with, he would always say, when you make a mistake, don't be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Just be like, am I looking sexy right now? And like use that to kind of, um, you know, kind of reclaim your power in a way. Um, And that's the kind of thing that maybe doesn't translate so well through like a text message or an email. Like you can't just send someone an email. Whoops, I made a typo. Am I sexy right now? Like I just won't. translate so really you know working with with uh some of these things that have potential to be dangerous and also when they are handled correctly have the potential to promote peace is that is that fair to say definitely yeah as you were talking about being a remote worker um i was I'm thinking like it almost seems, you know, I really, I don't like to say, um, you know, like this is better or worse than that, but it almost seems more important for remote workers to do embodiment work and to have a relationship with themselves where there is a lot of self-touch going on. And I mean, it's important for everyone, but there is something that happens with the chemicals going through the body when we're in a space where we're feeling pleasure. And it's like, if we're not getting that from being around other people's nervous systems, and it's the same thing on the other side of like, I don't have to be around other people's nervous systems. So I don't have to deal with the stress that comes with that. Right. Uh, uh But you also don't get the, uh, the chemicals going through the body that are associated with, you know, all the chemicals associated with drugs and food and sex and even giving birth, they're all the same kind of feel good, like painkiller feelings in the body. So if we're not getting that through interacting with others, then we kind of have to find ways to give that to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's beautiful. It's really, it can be quite satisfying. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love working with people who really want and need that touch relationship and they're craving it. And there's only so much that I can do as a psychotherapist. So I really work with people on having a touch relationship with themselves and coaching them and guiding them on that. Mm-hmm. And it's surprising that they're saying, actually, this feels really good to me. And now I'm not as starving for what I thought I needed. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, you know, this stuff is huge, especially for remote workers. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's fair what you're saying, you know, it's true for everyone. And one of the things I've noticed, you know, studying, interacting with being on remote teams, you know, um, I just wrote an article that referenced this same idea, but, you know, it's not like there are these hugely unique problems. It's the kind of problems that um, are happening in all workplaces 
But when you remove the subtlety of implicit learning that happens through proximity with other people, everything else becomes more like the problems become more exaggerated. You know, you hear people say, well, communication is really hard on a remote team. Communication is really hard. (laughs) And if you have an issue with communication, it's not the remote team that is making that issue. It's an underlying issue that's just been exaggerated by a, a change in environment, a change of norms. Because if you had really good communication, that would likely be based on having established really clear and explicit expectations and actionable routines and protocols, right, Mm -hmm. that are different. So you need new ones. And if you couldn't, if you don't know how to be explicit about that, yeah, it's going to be an adjustment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that there's some some stuff there in terms of, I know you talked about like the consent and with intimacy and touch and consent. And it's a, it's a similar skill. And I was really surprised when I moved into the business world and away from the dance world, like how many skills that I never would have thought like choreography, like, or, you know, warming up, like these little things that you do in one context, how they show up in another context, you know? And I think that's, one of the things I love about embodied work is it gives you an opportunity to exaggerate things. It gives you an opportunity to really see where there's gaps and where there's holes because it's not just like an intangible process of thought anymore. Mm -hmm. It's really like a physical thing. So in that regard, um, I know you talked a little bit about, um, your products and services already, but maybe you could just tell us a little bit more about um, specifically which products and services you feel like would be most beneficial to remote workers. Sure. So, well, one-to-one embodiment work, coaching or facilitation, is really amazing to do over video and Skype. So that, you know, cause I've made some videos for this and what I'm hearing is that, and I also wrote a guide, like an online free guide to embodiment is that people are like, it's really awesome to read about it. And it's, it's really fun to try to do this along with you on the video, but what I'm finding is that I have to like pause it and then try something and then look at you. And it just, it feels like it's too much. And I totally understand that when I was first learning these practices, I think if I had been just watching a video, there's no way that it would have landed because the type of embodiment work that I love to do with people is so it's really complex and it's so simple and easy in the moment when we're trying it on together but in terms of what it does to body and the responses that we have, it is complex and a lot can come up. Like emotions can move, body sensations start to change, psychological, mental patterns can come up and kind of get stuck. And it's, um, I mean, it's all developmental. So mm-hmm. when it puts us into this kind of like young space, it can be pretty hard to just follow along with the video. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one-to-one or even like, I haven't done this, but it just kind of came into my mind of coaching 
a group over video. I, I think that that would be fine too. And the group work that I do in town, I would love to do that in a retreat like setting or, um, you know, travel to give that to a group. And so I teach yoga and I also teach ecstatic dance, which is a very free form improv based movement practice that is cyclical and follows the, you know, all cycles are the same. They start off with this like warm up phase and then they build and then there's some sort of uh, plateau like resting and then a peak experience and then a cool down and ending or like resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the human sexual response cycle maps that, the five rhythm cycle maps that, the gestalt cycle, like they're all the same. And so I love doing that with groups and movement and then uh, processing it a little bit. Like, how does that relate? Like, how does that relate to the patterns that you have with work and your relationships and your body and... So those would probably be the two, and those are services, uh, you know, coaching via distance or providing workshop and retreat-like space in person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I just, this just occurs to me that I know, and I have my definition of what embodiment work is, and I also know that um, everyone's got a slightly different version of a definition, but there's also people in our audience that might not um, have a visual picture kind of come to mind when they hear that language. And I'm wondering if you might be able to offer what, what that terminology means to you and, um, maybe like why it feels important to frame yourself that way. Sure. So embodiment practice or work to me means that there is So it kind of feels like there's different uh, levels or tiers to it. And so one level is the awareness of what's happening in the body, just kind of like a general uh, body connectivity, like some sort of relationship with the ability to identify and track and either be with and stillness or to move with sensation And then on all the other levels, it's kind of similar. Like, is there an awareness? Is there an ability to uh, build and also release emotions, stories, thought-based stuff? Uh, Breath work is certain. I mean, breath is always part of any embodiment practice. Like, there's no body-based movement practice that doesn't incorporate some form of using the breath in a certain way. And lots of different practices have very different ways of using the breath. Sure. Um, so there's something around like uh, an available, pulsing, vibrating, enlivened system. And that it's not just about the physical, but it's also not only about what our mind can do. And it's only, it's not all, excuse me. It's also not only the emotional space, it's all of it. And the way that I opened my embodiment guide is uh, the way that Clarissa Pinkola Estes talks about the soul and that the body is the container and the body is, 
you know, so much of life revolves around the body, you know, like our daily needs. And if we injure ourselves, our lifestyle has to change and all these types of things. And then using the power of the mind to really facilitate that. So it's not only about the body. It's not only about the mind. It's about the connection and the space kind of between the two and what houses all of it. And that there's this unnameable, uh, like, it's not tangible. You can't name it. You can never describe it fully. Like, no one will ever really know what you're feeling in terms of the soul. And so I'm just tracking, like, how to move from all of those different places and to really form a relationship between them that feels self-supporting and uh, healthy, it's almost like, what does healthy mean to everyone? And then when do they get to the point where they feel like they have a self-supportive relationship with themselves on all those different levels, the mind, the emotions, the body, the breath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, yeah, totally. Um, and so then like kind of a follow-up to that, um, some of the ways that I see being embodied embodiment work being like super beneficial to uh, remote workers as individuals would be around um, like self-regulation and self-management mm-hmm. um, stress reduction increasing and um, cultivating energies certain specific types you know do I need to be creative right now what kind of movements can I do with my body to help me like trigger my creative mind to get on board? You know, I need to be super focused right now. I need to be, you know, very detail oriented right now. Um, I need to be really pushing through to meet this deadline or I need to be, you know, in a slow and steady kind of tortoise and hare (laughs) tortoise wins the race kind of thing. And that, and, you know, feel free to chime in, but like, is, would you say that you uh, would agree that those are all issues that can be worked with in a tangible way through embodiment work instead of kind of like a philosophical, um, I really should be able to focus. Well, that doesn't do you any good. How do you focus when you aren't focused? How do you refocus that those kinds of how to do something is really kind of the the crux of what embodiment offers in terms of like a, you know, modern culture benefit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the biggest parts that I didn't say, but with all these movement practices, they're designed to, and they're practiced in the way that we do them as adults to expand movement repertoire And once we have expanded the way that we can move and the energy that we can take on and try on, if we can do that in a way where we're feeling aligned with ourselves and we're also expressing or resting or whatever it is, then we're able to actually access that in work and relationships and writing. And that if it's almost like if it's a mental concept but we can't access it in our body, then how are you really going to show up and fully be whatever it is that you want to be when it comes down to that like crunch time, that Mm -hmm. moment Mm -hmm. when you need to be creative. When I'm thinking of the Kestenberg movement profile, 
and all of those different efforts, like moving through moving quickly versus moving through sustained time versus being really direct versus being indirect and all of there's no good and bad. They're all so useful during different moments and different contexts. And so if we start to know what they feel like from the inside, then when something happens that calls us to be that way, we're not afraid of it. We're not stuck. We're not going, well, I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. It's, a very, uh, it's a very direct relationship between all of these concepts and all of these words that we kind of need to know how to be through the way that the body experiences them. Yeah. So, yes, definitely. And it can also be like writing, you know? It's like, what kind of practice do I need to do to help me to get to where I want and need to be? Mm-hmm. And writing, that can be writing, it can be something creative, it can be moving, it can actually be resting and like turning the computer off for once. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's so different based on what each person needs. And, and that's why my, I feel like my work never gets dull. It's really not, it's so rich. It's always so full based on what each person's story and history is. And what works for one person is definitely not going to work for another person. So it's pretty fun to sculpt uh, different kind of movement practices and plans for people who you know we all have our edges and challenges and then we all have our strengths Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so that's you know one of the big things there like that you ended with the the challenges and the strengths you know um it's that you know when you have a strength it's because you have that I know what to do and I know how to do it and when you have a weakness, that pain point is you, you either don't even know what to do yet. You just know you don't know. You know you need to know and you don't. <laughs> so there is that, you know, cognitive learning curve. But then, you know, a lot of times you get a cognitive learning curve and then there's no, no one around you modeling what that looks like. Right. And that is like, even though I studied all this stuff, you know, you could study basket weaving for 10 years, but until you build a basket, you don't know how to build a basket. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot easier to build a basket if someone's showing you how to build it. And instead of just telling you, you know, with language, because language is not movement yeah, and movement is, is action. Yes. Yeah. I, I really feel like, you know, like with everything that has challenges and strengths, that there are probably so many lovely, pleasurable, amazing things that come with the lifestyle of being a remote worker. Mm -hmm. And that there are just as many challenges. And that if you're not, you know, the way that we learn is through seeing people role model things. And if we're not able to directly witness and participate and really to have our mere neurons taking in what they're doing, Mm -hmm. it's actually harder. Like it seems to me that the challenges that come with being a remote worker, especially when you're new to it, or like maybe this is the first job that this person has had. I can't imagine how it would be to um, step up without some form of support that is like direct and personal and movement-based. Yeah. Because 
sitting and talking and sitting and typing, uh, it just only goes so far. Mm-hmm. I'm totally opinionated in that way, but I feel really <laughs> strong in it and I just believe in it. And it's like, one of my favorite teachers said, you've got to be so full of it, literally, you're just full, that it's contagious. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, that's my gig. And that's really where I see all of this body-based work being so supportive of people who are dealing with the challenges of remote work and how to benefit from all of the amazing pieces that they probably get. Yeah. Gulped their day to be like, okay, I'm going to rock this instead of being isolated or stifled or, you know, alone or like I'm not getting what I need. Yeah. I bet that they probably actually can give themselves what they need. It's just that it's not coming from the usual places. Exactly. Yeah. Where do I need to look for this? Right. It sort of reminds me like when I got to Naropa, um, you know, and they're talking about, I I was so excited, you know, to go to this body-based program. And then I started to have this kind of visual, uh, kind of interpretation of Naropa. I don't know what else to call it, but like a visual sense of like, you know, here is Western psychology that's like talk therapy and story and all this stuff that's verbal. And what was missing was the body. And so it's almost like somatic work, like kind of as a pendulum that swung all the way to the other side. Because there was oftentimes when it was like almost like permission to speak about your experience was taken away. Because, you know, the body knows best. And I always kind of argued, okay, just because we realize something is missing doesn't mean the thing that was already in place needs to be, like, completely abolished, you know? And I think remote work is really similar that way. It's like it does provide a remedy to a lot of the things that are wrong with the workplace, you know, time away from family, time away from nature, rushing, sitting in traffic, you know, feeling like you're locked into the hamster wheel, you know, locked into a cubicle. And, um, you know, I think that that is the remedy. But like like you're saying, there's a lot of things we take for granted Mm -hmm. when it's the norm. Like we took for granted that we can express ourselves through our words. We took for granted that every morning when you go work at an office, you get up, you take a shower, you put your best face on, you take for granted how good it feels to put your best face on, Mm -hmm. you know? And I also think it feels really great to be in sweatpants. I'm sitting here in a triple XL t-shirt with a, you know, UV, uh, a VW bug on it, like Mm -hmm. in my pajamas because I can, but I, you know, three days a week I get up and I get dressed and I go to work in, you know, a social setting. Mm-hmm. All of those things that happen at the water cooler, all of those things that happen at the Christmas party, all of those, just being outside for that little bit of time when you're walking to your car and sitting in traffic, like sitting in traffic sucks. No one likes to sit in traffic, but are you still getting vitamin D? Right. Are you getting vitamin D in a basement office? Probably not, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so you have to find other ways to get it. So like when you innovate one thing, you have to be careful that other things don't fall by the wayside Mm -hmm. and the things that are most likely to fall by the wayside are the things that were working 
And so they were working so well that you took them for granted and didn't account for needing to create a new space for them. And I think that's, you know, that's a really interesting thing to think about. But, okay, we're getting close to our time. So let me just give you an opportunity um, to paint a picture for our audience. If you were the leader of a remote team, why would you hire yourself? to be on a retreat. And if you were designing that retreat, what would that look like for you? Okay, so. So I guess there's multiple pieces to that. And that, you know, the first thing I really believe in, and this is what I bring to therapeutic work with individuals and groups is that there for me there kind of has to be a sense of warmth and permission and a non-judgmental on the facilitator's end and so I'm really trying to bring those and ultimately it's about love and I'm not afraid to say that to bring a loving presence to an individual or a group is ultimately um, incredibly different than the way a lot of things are led. And so, you know, for me, that's number one. And that strong facilitation is really important. So a strong voice and an ability to adapt to what the group is needing, but to also provide structure for the group to really rest into is, is kind of like holding attention and I love working with groups. So I feel, I do feel really strong in a facilitation of doing movement-based work and also a process-based work. Like what you were just saying about the, we don't have to give up this great thing that works just because we also need this other piece is super important. And I've actually fallen into that in the past. Like I think I wanted everything to be so body, body, body that For a while there, I lost the importance of the verbal and the writing and the speaking. Mm -hmm. And now I've, I've come into a place where I see the importance of both. And so the way that it looks is that uh, whether I'm leading a day long thing or whether I'm leading just a one-on-one session is that we go, we kind of oscillate. So there's this oscillation between inside of myself and then awareness of others or the group, but we titrate and oscillate back and forth between movement-based work that is based on that kind of elusive body experience. And then we go into making sense of it and meaning making and using words and connection with others and group process and writing you know whatever the tool is and then back into the body and then back into meaning making and really because that for me sometimes is what's missing from body-based work is that uh if there's no application to where this is relevant like where is this actually going to show up in my life then it's kind of like it's just a nice experience and then you leave and there's not as much takeaway. Mm-hmm. So what I would really be hoping is to provide people with a tangible 
accessible way to work with their bodies that's um, versatile because I know that remote workers are probably in different kinds of situations based on their living space and climate and all these types of things. And then to provide that connection that if someone goes to a retreat, you know, unless they're going to a meditation retreat, they probably on some level are hoping for and maybe nervous about and ready for and longing for a connection with other people that share their experience and resonate with them. Maybe they can build connections with that will be lasting. Mm-hmm. So that would be my way is to fuse body-based work into meaning making for oneself into group connection. And um, yeah, kind of dancing between all of those things for however long, whether it would be a day or a week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so some combination of uh, meditations and yoga and movement practices and dialogue about the body's experience and the, the witnessing mind and yep. how the body's in relationship and how that's different. I mean, I think, right, like in a traditional office space, you know, your body is in relationship all the time. And, you know, it's kind of nice to think about not going <laughs> on a company retreat. <laughs> You know, unless you just got really lucky and you have an amazing, amazing company that you work for. I know a lot of the older women that I've talked to since we started Rebel and Connect, like my aunt in particular, she's a very introverted person. She worked at a law firm for her entire career. And she's like, really? Like, I, the last thing I want to do on my day off is hang out with my coworkers. And you you hear that a lot in the traditional co-located model. Um, But it's also, you know, that to me is a testament to failed leadership, Mm -hmm. you know, because if you're creating a culture that is focused on connection and people are trying to dodge connection, then you're not doing a very good job. (laughs) of creating that culture, right? So uh, maybe we'll, you know, see this swing and then kind of back again and we'll find a middle ground where people just love to go to work. I mean, that's kind of my big why. Having been a workaholic family and a workaholic young 20-something and, you know, I want to wake up every day and love what I do and I want to connect with other people who love what they do and I want to find people who want to love what they do and help them yeah find a way to do that you know and so I think that's that's a big motivation for us so props to you for for being your your own champion of that and setting a great example for other people in the world you know I think it's really cool like I like I said at the beginning I get bits and pieces of what you're doing and since you know you've become one of our collaborators I've got to hear a little bit more here and there and have a better understanding, but I love what I'm doing. And I still have like little moments when I see your stuff on Facebook. I'm like, Oh, that looks so cool. I kind of wish I was doing that too. <laughs> and yeah. that's, you know, if that, if someone's never your client, but they, they see that contagious joy that you have, like that is not lost on the world. I think, you know, to have your brand be a, a place of, momentary joy 
for people to witness is sometimes important as well. So, all right, well, we're going to wrap things up. Is there um, anything else you want to share with the audience before we let them go for the day? Well, I just want to say thank you to you and I love what you're doing too. And it's, it is contagious. It's really supportive, you know, just like it's supportive for me to talk with you like this and to see what you're doing and the way that you feel about seeing what I'm doing. I would hope that when remote workers see other remote workers thriving and that that can provide an inspiration and maybe a desire to learn from and connect with and also to provide mentorship mm-hmm. and that you know that kind of community building is so cool and maybe new and maybe it's not going to look the same that it does in the workplace but that's one of the things that I see that could be longed for after you know if say I'd worked for the corporate world and there were all these things that were so hard about it, but I had this one really amazing mentor and then I go into working remotely and it's equally as amazing in all the ways that it is, but I wish that I had that mentor and I see connecting through your organization and going on a retreat and being around other people as a way to foster those relationships because technology is changing everything about our world but that doesn't mean that those relationships have to be lost yes absolutely i agree transformation not termination right Okay, so if you are listening in and you would like to have a personal introduction to Alicia, you can visit www.rebellandconnect.co backslash Alicia Patterson LLC. And there is a hyphen there in between Alicia hyphen Patterson hyphen LLC. And just so you don't miss it up, mess it up, it's Alicia is A. L-I-C-I-A hyphen P-A-T-T-E-R-S-O-N hyphen L-L-C. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, rebel and connect. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to visit emailpodcast.rebelandconnect.co and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. This company owned and operated by Charlie Birch, Rachel McGee, and Summer Wyrick. We operate remotely and service clients from all over the globe. For more about our mission, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Connect with us on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also email us directly at info at rebelandconnect.co or call 970-325-6833.